Heavenly Father, what a, what a wonderful privilege it is that we can gather here together this morning. Lord, that we can come to your word and, and Lord, as we do, we ask that you would soften our hearts once again. Lord, that you would open our ears that we may hear and uh, give us understanding that we may, may come once more deeper into your presence. Lord, as our children head out to treasure seekers, Father, we just pray your blessing upon them this morning as they spend time together sharing in your word again. May they see with great wonder and awe your majesty, your love and your glory. Amen. All right, this morning we come to the end of our series on kingdom living. <clears throat> We've been working our way through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount uh, in, in Matthew's chapter 5 through uh, 7. As we have, we've seen that Jesus has painted for us a portrait of kingdom living, what, what life looks like as we live in the kingdom of heaven. We, we saw that it was characterized by transformation, a transformation of our hearts and attitudes to reflect more of the peace and gentleness of God. In our words and in our actions, we are increasingly becoming focused on being peacemakers. We, we learn that although there will be much trouble and conflict to endure, we can have the confidence not in our present circumstance, but in eternity, in God's faithfulness, God's plan, and His victory. We, we see that the more that we pursue God's heart, our, our own goals and desires reflect His more and more. As salt and light, our desires become more than simply preserving or maintaining our own way of living, but through sacrifice and love, we seek the redemption, the restoration, the reconciliation of the lost to Jesus. Again, through Jesus' teachings, we've been encouraged to develop humble hearts, reckoning first with our own shortcomings and being patient and gracious towards others, to surrender our anxiety, our worries, and to seek God's righteousness, to trust His plans and His purpose, regardless of how bleak our present situation or the future may seem. Then we were warned both to watch out for false teachers, including from within ourselves when we might misrepresent God's ways, His word or His goodness. And we were warned last week about being simply enthusiastic fans. Instead, of encourage, instead we were encouraged to be completely committed followers, to live intentionally in an intimate transforming relationship that impacts the lives of those around us for God's glory and the redemption of the lost. There's a lot in all of that. There's a lot. And today, as we come to the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we're going to be looking at foundations. Foundations are perhaps the most important aspect of a building. It doesn't matter how well constructed the building is, if the foundations are poor, if the foundations are not solid and well anchored, then the building will crack, it will become unstable and even be swept away. I, I had cause to talk with uh, Kevin Volkers uh, a few months ago when we had, we were trying to trace down the leak out the front and uh, 
we, we were talking about the construction of the building because he was a builder in Bowen and, and built the church. And he told me something interesting about our foundations of this building. He said, they're not deep foundations, but they're wide foundations. And he said the reason for that, the engineers were concerned about the, the, the building being picked up. And, and so as, as wide, deep um, pads, it's designed to anchor the building in place. And we, we are fairly low in the water table. Uh, as we know, when it rains, the, the waters come up. They don't quite get into the building, but the ground around us gets very soggy, yet the building does not move. Its foundations are, are firm. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read from just three verses uh, this morning, four verses this morning, 24 to 27. Matthew chapter 7. 24 to 27. Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. These two foundations Jesus mentions, rock and sand. Every year I try and get away uh, to, to a retreat group with a bunch of other pastors it's a week that we spend together on Fraser Island sharing about our journey with God, with our families and with our churches. We, we pray together. We, we spend time in worship and the Word and we encourage one another. And like all good disciples, there's also some time for fishing. Mostly we fish at night. As the sun has gone down, we wear our waders, which normally come up to you know, your armpits, we have a, a headlamp on so we can see when we're putting the, the, the bait back on our hooks. But generally, you've got your headlamp off. And uh, we, we'll, we'll, we'll walk down to where we found a decent gutter during the day, wearing our waders with all our gear, our long surf rods, because we're on the, the, the surf side of Fraser. And we, with, with our pilchards on our hooks, we wade out waist deep, sometimes halfway up our chest so that we can get right out, right out just over the back of the gutter and then as, as our bait and sinker settles down, we'll walk back until, until the water is, is, is about knee deep and we wait patiently for that big Jew to come along and take our bait. I'm, I'm yet to catch a Jew. Um, I've seen a couple caught, seen a few sharks as well. Um, just the, those, those moments in the moonlight as, the, as you see the wave about to break and the glimmer of, of silver, a silvery shape in the waves and you want to take a few steps further back. But what, what's interesting is we're standing there with the waves buffeting our, our legs 
as we stand in the water and, and the, you just feel the waders just be squeezed close next to your, your, your legs. After a couple of waves, you find yourself having to shuffle your feet to move sideways one way or the other or, or to step back. Because with each wave, as it, as it comes in and goes out, it takes the sand from under your feet. And with each wave, you find your feet just gradually sinking down and down and down until there's a good few inches of sand backed up behind your ankles. And if you're not careful, if you don't move around, such is the foundation of the sand, the next wave will come and, and will hit your legs and, and will topple you over backwards because as you go to move your feet to gain your balance again, there's nothing to move it. And you end up then with full waders. They're not doing their job of keeping the water out as you become swamped. Such is the nature of a foundation of sand. It moves and changes constantly underneath. Something else that I've noticed every year that I've been to Fraser is just the changing shape of the beaches. Over the years, I've seen the sand come and go. Some years, the beaches will be completely covered with sand. Other years, there'll be just swathes of rock exposed. Sometimes it can happen overnight or, or within a couple of days. You can see the sand just stripped away from the beach or the sand deposited. But something never changes. And that's where the rocks are. The sand comes and the sand goes, but the rocks stay anchored in their place. And that's the difference between a rock foundation and one of sand. The rock foundation is firmly anchored in place, but the sand foundation is easily moved. In this parable that Jesus tells, he mentions three forces acting against the buildings on the foundations. The rain, the floods and the wind. I don't want to try and overanalyze what, what the rain is and what the floods are and what the wind because I don't think that that's the point of what Jesus is saying. I, I think what Jesus is trying to show us here is that sometimes you may not see the problems with a building built on sand until the problems it faces, the, the challenges it faces are compounded one on top of the other on top of the other. We might be able to skate through life dealing with, with pressures and stresses in our workplace or, or maybe at, at home. But what Jesus is talking about is those times when there is no escape, there is no relief from the buffeting of the worries and the pressures of the world. That is where the cracks begin to form. That is where the foundation that we're on, if it's not rock solid, will be swept away and leave us crumbling, falling apart. So what does Jesus tell us about the foundations made of rock and the foundations made of sand? 
Jesus says that the Christian whose life is found, uh, life's foundation is the rock is the one who hears these words of mine and does them. And the one whose life's foundation is like sand is the one who hears these words of mine and does not do them. Do you see the difference? The sand foundation is not simply a person that ignores God or, or denies God, but one who hears his words and does not do them, does not put them into practice, does not make a habit about pursuing them. Think about that for a moment. Jesus isn't talking to the secular world. He's not talking to the idolatrous world. He's not talking to the people of other faiths. Here, he is talking in his context to the Jews and for us, the church. Jordan Peterson is a famous psychologist. You may have seen some of his videos popping up on YouTube and some of the interviews that he's done on on daytime uh, or morning morning television. Over the last couple of years, it's been fascinating to watch his wrestling with the question of faith. When asked if he believes in God, his answer is not to simply say, yes, I believe in God. I believe in the risen Lord Jesus. Instead, He responds that he acts as though God exists. He acts as though God exists. I think he makes a really good point here. It's so easy to acknowledge something with our words. And this is the point that Jesus made last week. Those who simply acknowledge God with with words are simply fans. They're not completely committed followers. Worse still, that when things get messy, when they get tough, when the, the, the changes that God calls us to, the attitudes and character and righteousness that should be evident in our lives, confronted with the, the pressures and the worries of life, they, they disappear very quickly. Think about that for a moment. Faith is more than just an intellectual exercise. It's inevitably engaged with the way we live our life. If you're going to go for a hike and the forecast is for wet weather and you genuinely believe it's 100% going to rain, you've not just looked on on the news, you've not just seen the weather forecast on the Bureau of Meteorology, You, you walk outside and you can see the dark clouds in the horizon. You know it's going to rain. How do you express your faith and your belief that it's going to rain? Do you simply just walk around and tell people, hey, it's going to rain? I really think, you know, 100% today it's going to rain. No. Before you leave, you make sure you close the windows of your house. When you're going hiking, you'll, you'll take an umbrella or a raincoat to stop you getting wet. You'll also consider where it is that you're going to hike is it going to be, become too slick and slippery? Are you going to be hiking through a dry creek bed that may become flooded in an instant? You see, you start to, to make changes to your life dependent upon this belief that you have in the rain. 
The point Jordan Peterson is making is that faith is not something that can be just merely spoken about. If we're followers of Jesus, if the foundation of our life, if everything that we're building our lives is based upon God's word, his ways, then it must change the way that we live, the way we talk and the way we act. So that that leads me to my next question. How do we evaluate our foundations? How do we, we see what our foundations are really like? When there's concern around a building's foundation, you generally call in the engineers and they'll take core samples of the soil underneath the concrete footings. They'll examine the building plans and they'll, they'll probably also find points around the, the building to excavate down to, to check the thickness of, of the slab, of the thickness of the footings and the foundation to make sure it, it was built to specifications and to make sure that those specifications match up to what the, the foundation is actually sitting on. So how do we do that? How do we examine the heart of our life foundation? How do we see whether it's really built on the rock of Jesus his, and his word or whether we've been fooling ourselves? Robert Schmidgel gives this analogy. He says, think for a moment about a water-saturated sponge. If we push down with our finger even slightly, water runs out onto the table. We immediately know what fills the interior pockets of the sponge. The same is true with ourselves. We can tell what fills us on the inside by what comes out under pressure. When our lives are filled with pressures and stresses, problems that we can't fix, issues that we can't solve, what is it that runs out of our lives, out of our mouths? Do we squeeze out gentleness, grace and compassion? Do we demonstrate mercy? Are we peacemakers? Or are we more characterized by harsh words, criticism, judgmental attitudes? Are we more combative, ready to look for a fight and tear down the person that, or, or, or thing that we might disagree with or not like? Are we inclined to be patient and gracious, gentle and humble? Do we seek to find unity, clarity and righteousness? Or do we have a desire deep within us to get revenge, to get even? In Galatians chapter 5, Paul exhorts the the church in Galatia to be free in Christ. And that freedom comes not from simply vocalizing it, but by living the fruit of the Spirit, pursuing the transformation that comes from knowing God intimately and deeply instead of living in the ways of the world. Paul writes from verse 13, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh is in conflict with each uh, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not able to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. 
The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So as we examine our foundations, how do we find ourselves? If you're anything like me, you're going to find at least some pockets of sand. We're not perfect. God knows that. But what has filled us does not have to define us. If we are willing to humble ourselves, to turn more to God and to surrender the things, the emotions, the desires, the attitudes, the patterns of behavior that have led us to a place where we are ashamed of what is is being pressed out of us. He is faithful to produce in us, as James says in James 1, steadfastness and then let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing James 1 3 and 4. Jay Kessler makes this observation about handling pressure he writes there are two ways of handling pressure one is illustrated by a bathysphere the miniature submarine used to explore the ocean in places so deep that the water pressure would would crush a conventional submarine like an aluminium can. Bathyspheres compensate with plate steel several inches thick, which keeps the water out, but also makes them very hard to manoeuvre. Down in the depths, those inside are not alone. When their lights are turned on and you look through the tiny, thick plate glass windows, what do you see? Fish. These fish cope with extreme pressure in an entirely different way. They don't build thick skins. They remain supple and free. They compensate for the outside pressure through equal and opposite pressure inside themselves. And he says Christians likewise don't have to be hard, thick-skinned. As long as they appropriate God's power at work within them, to equal the pressure without. Good foundations. Solid foundations are like the godly fruit produced in our lives. It's not a product of our own work and effort, but of the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Solid foundations don't come through pursuing perfection within ourselves because perfection is something that we will only ever attain in glory. Instead, We should pursue Jesus, the intimate relationship with him. Like a a young married couple from their youth devoted themselves to one another, forsaking all others to know each other more and more every single day. 
their intimacy is the expression of love. It brings with it a place of comfort and safety. For this couple, they never cease to know each other more and more. It's not a destination for them. It's a journey. It's a dedication to life together, a dedication of love. This is what it means to live in relationship with Jesus, to live in the kingdom of heaven. As, as Paul writes, not that I've already obtained all this yet, I press on towards the goal, the goal to know Christ Jesus more and more, to discover more of his heart, more of his will, more of his love, to allow his love, his ways and his words to transform our broken hearts, our broken words and our broken attitudes. The only way to pursue Jesus is through humility and surrender. I want to leave you this morning with this. Don't pursue perfection. Instead, pursue Jesus in whom we receive perfection in glory. Allow the Holy Spirit to renovate your foundations. We're going to finish this morning's service in a minute with it with a song called I Surrender and I want to encourage you just to take this moment to just sit and to listen to let the music and, and to let these lyrics just wash over you make them your prayer this morning to come before Jesus and to say Lord renovate my foundation let's pray before we come to the song Heavenly Father we know that throughout our lives, our foundations are shaky at times. Lord, we know that the only true, objective, solid foundation is in you, in your word, in your love. By living with you intimately, by being transformed by the work of your Holy Spirit within us. So, Father, this morning... In the same way that David did, our prayer is that you would search us to find any offensive way, any broken way in us. Find those pockets of sand in our hearts, Lord, and fill them with your word, your grace, and your love. Amen.